Welcome to The Intuitive Therapist with Janice R. Cohen, therapist, clairvoyant, empath, and medium. Listen in as she takes a no-nonsense, deep dive into real human struggles and how to resolve them. Janice will share channeled information from her spirit guide team, as well as angels and archangels, to help you master your emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual destiny. And now, Janice R. Cohen. Hey, y'all. This is Janice Cohen, the Intuitive Therapist, here on the Intuitive Therapist Podcast. And I want to talk to you about happiness and healthiness. How, what makes us happy? What keeps us happy and healthy as we go through life? It may not be what you think. And it'll actually be very interesting when you hear what I tell you uh, about what makes us truly happy and healthy. So, I want to ask you a question. If you were going to invest in your future best self, where would you put your time and energy? People of different age ranges have different ideas about what happiness would mean to them, okay? So most young adults believe that money and fame would make them happy. Think back when you were in your 20s. What goals did you have at the time? What did you think about needing to accomplish in your life that you believed would have made you happy? What about those of you who are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? Did your needs change over time? Did your values change over time? Did the idea of happiness morph and grow as you did? If so, take a moment to think about how and why. Think about what happened in your life that your preferences changed, your values changed, your priorities changed. I remember when I was in my 20s, I used to fantasize about being married with kids right out of college, having a house and being a stay-at-home mom. And in my 30s, I still really wanted a family. But I began to develop my career and I actually started to imagine having both, not just being a stay-at-home mom, but, but having a family, being a mom, and having a career. In my 40s, though, my spiritual journey took me in a different direction. And my dream of being a wife and a mother really didn't materialize in the typical way. I became married to my spiritual growth and mothered many, many, many clients along the way over this 26-year lifespan of my career. I've had several significant relationships in the past, none that led to an actual marriage. I've been engaged, but none that led to an actual marriage or children. And so I had to kind of shift my dreams to match my reality. And as I lean into the last few years of my 40s, I am 48, so I have a few more years until I hit the big 5-0, my definition of happiness has significantly changed from when I was 20. Um, No longer do I believe that marriage and children are of the utmost importance for me. I love the idea of marriage, and I love Kitty poos. Those of you who know me know that I love kids and I love being in a child state. But as fate would have it, my um, my ability to bear children has passed me by, and I've made as much peace with that as I can. Um, it's hard, but it is what it is, and so you have to move on. So my focus is on building my business, honoring the beautiful partnership that I have with my special man. And living with as much peace and love and serenity as possible. 
Recently, a friend of mine sent me a TEDx talk that someone did about what really keeps us happy and healthy. And it was so important and so significant to me that I had to share what I learned from it. So I thought I would just tell tell you a couple of thoughts today about the concept of happiness and good health and ask that as I talk with you, just take some time to think about what truly makes you happy at this point in your life. You may think it's money, but it's not money. It's the feeling that's associated with money. So what would that feeling be? I'm just asking you to go a little deeper. The TEDx speaker was part of a landmark study about happiness. He was the fourth director of this 75-year-long program that looked at happiness through the lifespan. It was fascinating to listen to the, the study's discoveries. And what's interesting is that this study tracked 724 men year after year and asked them about their work, their home lives, their health, and of course, asking them these questions along the way without knowing how their life stories were going to turn out. Now, you may be wondering, if you're female, why didn't they track any women? This study began in 1938. Uh, apparently, the focus was not on women. Women's, the concept of women was very different than men back in the late 30s, um, and so they just focused on men. These men entered this, the study as teenagers where they were given yearly medical exams, their parents were interviewed, and then they were followed into their adulthoods. They all learned, leaned into various types of professions, from factory workers to attorneys to doctors and bricklayers. They even mentioned that one of the men in the study actually became president of the United States, but unfortunately they did not reveal who that was. So I can't tell you who that was. I wish I knew because that's kind of cool. Some developed alcoholism, a few developed schizophrenia, some climbed the social ladder from the bottom up, and some made the opposite journey, from the height of fame and fortune to literally having nothing. They had brain scans, their families were interviewed over time, including their children, if they had them, and after a long while, their wives were interviewed to give insight and input, and it was funny because the man that was giving this TEDx talk, (laughs) all the wives said, Well, it's about time that y'all ask for our feedback. So they ultimately did include uh, the wives and the women. It'd be an amazing longitudinal study on women, though. I think that would be really, really cool. However, this particular Harvard study didn't focus on women. Like I said, it was just, just men. But interesting nonetheless. Now, what did they learn from this 75 year long study? The clearest message that they learned was that good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. It is not fame and fortune. It's not travel or notoriety. It's not a rock-solid physique or becoming a parent or getting married. It's not any of those. It all comes down to the kinds of relationships we have. And there were three lessons that they learned about relationships in this study. The first is that social connections are really good for us and that loneliness kills. It turns out that people who are more socially connected to family, friends, and to community, they're happier, they're physically healthier, and they live longer than people who are less well-connected. And the experience of loneliness turns out to be toxic. People who are more isolated than they want to be from others find that they are less happy their health declines earlier in midlife. 
their brain functioning declines sooner, and they live shorter lives than people who are not lonely. And the sad fact that the study revealed is that at any given time, more than one in five Americans will report that they are lonely. I see people like that all the time coming into my office, and it's painful. Because I know when I felt lonely and alone, you think that if you're around a lot of people in a crowd, you'll feel some connection, whatever, but it almost makes it worse. You can be lonely in a crowd. You can be lonely in a relationship. You can be lonely by yourself. I can't begin to tell you how many clients share with me how lonely and alone they feel in their life, how they wish they had a special someone or a best friend or a family member with whom they shared a close bond. And there are so many lonely people out in the world who believe that they have no support, no meaningful connections, and no safe emotional place to lean into or land. How amazing would it be if all of these people who felt lonely found each other and built a wonderful community of togetherness? How amazing would it be for those of us who are blessed with love and connection? How amazing would it be if we found these people and gave them the love and connection that they yearned for, and they actually accepted it. The second lesson about relationships that the study reveals is that it's not just the number of friends you have. It's not whether or not you're in a committed relationship, but it's the quality of your close relationships that matters. I know a lot of people who who are dependent on being around a large group of friends. They think that the more people they're around, the bigger their fan base. And it, life, the quality of life really doesn't come down to that because most people are concerned about themselves and they're not really concerned about you. Uh, they may like to be around you, but when it comes down to brass tacks, they are not there for you. We need those close relationships, those intimate relationships where people care, not that they're just curious. So as it turns out, living in the midst of conflict is really bad for our health. High-conflict marriages, for example, without much affection, turn out to be very bad for our health, perhaps worse than getting divorced and living in the midst of, of good, warm relationships is actually protective. What predicted how old these people were going to grow was not the health of their cholesterol levels, interestingly enough. It was how satisfied they were in their relationships. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever seen uh, elderly couples uh, who are together and they're holding hands and they sit next to each other and they're always touching and they're always kissing and doing for each other? That's why they're living so old, because they have that. And they prioritize that. The third lesson they learned is that good relationships just don't uh, protect our bodies. They protect our brains. It turns out that being in a securely attached relationship to another person in your 80s is protective and that the people who are in relationships where they really feel they can count on the other person in times of need, these people, their memories stay sharper longer. And those who didn't have a, a partner whom they could really count on had a decline in their memory and in their health much earlier. These are some amazing insights, just absolutely amazing. And, it, and it's very cool because I look at my parents. My father is 85 uh, in October, end of October. My mother is 79. 
They've been married for 56 years. And I can tell you that uh, they absolutely adore each other. They are there for each other 100%. They will do anything for each other. And thank God, um, I am getting to experience them uh, in their older years. And it's just so wonderful. So is this information a surprise to you? Maybe not. Maybe it is. Connection means so much and healthy connections matter literally to how healthy we become and how healthy we remain. When we lean into family, friends, and community, we fare far better in life. If you have somebody that's been on your mind, take a moment to reach out to them. Close that gap and move forward and work to have as healthy of a relationship as you can, even if it's not as deep as you can get. Maybe you have a parent that really wasn't the kind of parent you needed, but they're still alive and they're still available for you to have some sort of connection with. Reach out to them. Go out with some new friends or join a group of like-minded people to make new friends. Do what you can to build meaningful connections with others. Volunteer your time to those who are less fortunate. Give of your time. Give your heart and your money if you have it. Do whatever you can to become and stay connected in healthy ways to others. This was a quote that the presenter from the TEDx conference um, shared, and I want to share with you because it's pretty powerful. It's from Mark Twain. And this he wrote this more than a century ago as he was looking back on his life, and he wrote, There isn't time, so brief is life, for bickerings, apologies, heartburnings, calling to account. There is only time for loving, and but an instant, so to speak, for that. The good life is built with good relationships. I hope you remember that. If you're struggling with a relationship, if you'd like to work on a relationship you have, by all means, reach out to me, Janice Cohen, at uh, Janice at JaniceRCohen.com or call me at 404-558-3971. If you'd like a reading around a relationship about what's possible for you in any aspect of your life, call me, email me, Janice at JaniceRCohen.com or call 404-558-3971. It would be my pleasure to support you. And if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and uh, rate and review my podcast. I'd love it. I'd appreciate it. I'd love to hear how you're experiencing what you hear and how it helps you, what clarity you get, and how it's impacted your life. And even uh, if you'd like to write me to let me know what else you'd like me to talk about, what would you like to hear? Let me know. Um, As always, have a wonderful day, a blessed week, and live intuitively. Thanks for listening to The Intuitive Therapist with Janice R. Cohen. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes.